This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins, powered by BetUS. 879-BETUS or BetUS.com. Boy, oh boy, that was not a fun experience watching that game on Sunday. We'll get to it in a second. First, I'll tell you the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast, as always with Nick Cattles, is brought to you by our friends at BetUS.com, America's favorite sports book for over 25 years, a quarter of a century, and Legends, a premium athletic apparel built for the modern athlete, owned by some of your favorite athletes, including the man himself, Willie McGinnis. Greg, I know you've been watching the film this morning. Let's first start off with contextually, how bad was Jonu Smith against the Saints? Uh, Nick, uh... <laughs> Uh, this might have been the worst game I've ever seen any Patriots offensive player play in my, really? I don't know, 10, 10 years of watching Patriots film. Yeah, it was that bad. I, and it was from the get-go. I, I, you know, I've heard some talk about maybe he suffered a concussion or whatever. I, I'll tell you this. There were so many mistakes, and I had them for, I think, 10 minus plays in this game, which is a lot. And... I came to this conclusion watching it that I thought that Johnu might've been impaired in some way in this game. Like he could have been, I, I have no idea what that could be. I mean, it could be, he could have been sick. He could have been, you know, took some bad cough medicine before the game. He could have eaten something. He didn't disagree uh, that didn't agree with him. It could have, it could mean a whole bunch of other things, but he was just, whether it was blocking going out on routes, trying to catch the ball. I mean, I actually had him for uh, – I had him for four drops in this game. I thought the ball in the middle of the field where he, it was thrown into traffic, it was it was earlier in the game, uh, he took a hard hit, but I thought that, A, he could have come into the middle of the field a little bit more, which is where Mac led him. And I didn't think he needed to leave his feet again. He did that a couple times in this game where his footwork was just off. It looked like it looked like he hadn't played the position before on the NFL level. And it, 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 he just looked completely off in this game. I'm, I'm amazed that they didn't bench him at some point in time and just been like, look, maybe it just wasn't his day. Maybe he was just having a terrible day. Maybe he got bad news on the personal front that morning. I don't know. Whatever it was, he was completely off, and I couldn't believe they didn't bench him because he was a complete detriment to this team in this game. And that, that this team didn't need that. They needed all the help they could get. Yeah, and you hope that it's a one-off because there haven't been yeah. any signs that it'll be this bad. I mean, no. if, if we nope. saw him during camp and the preseason and the first couple of games look this off, I'd be much more concerned. Not to say that I'm yeah. not concerned because of how much money they've they've given this guy, but I'm going to treat it as a one-off because nothing indicated anything like we saw on Sunday happening. So let's hope that everything is okay for Janu. If he was affected in some kind of way off the field, if he was sick, let's hope he gets through this. The next guy, of course, that people want to talk about offensively is Mac Jones. You know, I think people watching this game against the Saints on Sunday, they might have some mixed feelings about Mac's performance. How do you feel about Mac after watching the film, Greg? I feel, Nick, I feel a little... Um... How do I term this? Uneasy, I would say. Like, look, here's the bottom line. When the Patriots protect him and they're uh, mostly ahead of the sticks and efficient and he's getting help from his tight ends and 
and other people, he's fine. He's really good. When he's kept clean, he's really, really good. Uh, I thought that we worried. We talked about it after the the first couple games about uh, the cumulative effect of pressure on pocket quarterbacks and, yeah. and young quarterbacks in general. And getting pressured at a 35% rate in the first two games, I haven't totaled up the, the percentage in this, but I would say it was at least that, if not more. Uh, it definitely took its effect in the second half. He he was the first half. I would say he was good. I was I was fine with the way he played the first half. I only had one decision that I didn't love in the first half. Uh, the second half, and I had him for five plus plays, three minus plays in the first half. That's that's fine against you know. A, they the Saints had a really good plan. Uh, they you know they pressured well up front. They really mixed up their pressures and coverages. It was. It was, I would say, Rex Ryan-esque in terms of how they spun the dial with everything. I thought it was really good. Uh, they mixed their pitches uh, for, for those who are baseball fans really well. Uh, in the second half, I had Mac for one plus play, and I had him for uh, nine minus plays. Uh, and to me, I to the, to me, some of that was the the score and the situation, Nick, where. You know, especially late the last drive they're just airing it out and nothing's really working and uh he throws the late interception which uh wasn't really even his fault i didn't love the route uh on it by Aguilar. um but three minus decisions in the second half and that was before it got out of hand uh including there was one play where oh it was the and, and i'm sure we'll talk about this the you know because there's a lot of questions about the coaching the infamous Bolden run, Bolden run, Johnny Smith check down in the red. Zone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I did not understand why he checked it down. It was a three man rush. He checked it down very quickly to Johnny. He had plenty of time. He should have probably tried for a touchdown. He had stuff maybe coming open in the end zone would have pushed the envelope there. But so overall, Mac, uh, I would say that, you know, I think I gave him like an A minus in the first game. I gave him a C minus in the second game. I would say today it's more trending to a D in this game. And so it, but this is what pressure does, Nick. This is why the first thing they got to do is they got to figure out the protection and how to protect this kid because they cannot leave him exposed like this. This is like, it, it's not there yet, but if it keeps going this way, it's like David Carr and like Houston, like, if you keep letting this kid get shelled back there without any help with Nelson Aguilar looking around with his palms up all the time and John U. Smith dropping passes, like it, it, it's trending in a poor direction. They need to figure it out. They need to, hopefully this is a wake up call for everybody, the coaches, the players where they need a reckoning and they need to figure out how to get things back on track. Cause it's going in a bad direction. I'm not going to kill Mac Jones. Look, I, I think a lot of the stuff, that has happened with him over the past couple of weeks, especially this past week, it's not on him. Now, I don't want to excuse everything and say, oh, he's playing unbelievably well. I'm mm -hmm. not saying that. What I'm saying is it's really difficult to judge and evaluate a rookie quarterback when pretty much everything around him sucks. And on Sunday, everything around him sucked. And the mm -hmm. offensive line has been a huge, huge disappointment. I don't know what's going on. But I'm getting tired of watching the quarterback get drilled. I'm just getting tired of it. We, we thought this offensive line was going to be top three in the league. You can explain some of it with the Trent Brown absence. But the rest of these guys, you got four out of five of your starting offensive line out there. They need to be better. It's as simple as that. 
and, and until that happens, until this young man is protected, until we have receivers catching the damn football, then I'm not going to sit here and kill the guy. Let's see what happens if he actually gets some freaking help. Uh, let's, jump, let's jump to something else. Uh, we've talked about team speed for a while, Greg, especially yeah. on the defensive end. Did that stick out to you on Sunday? Yeah, without question. I mean, I think that the, the it, it, it's getting – the Saints are – they've always been sort of a fast team. Uh, I was very impressed with how they swarmed around all over the place. Uh, and I couldn't – you know, and I've just started to – watch just so people know. So I've watched the All-22 on the offense. I've just started uh, the defense. So I don't have a lot of huge conclusions on the defense yet. Uh, so a lot of it is I'm going off of what I remember from the game. Um, and, uh, some of what I've seen so far, but, you know, I just think that the, I just think that the speed of the saints defense really overwhelmed, uh, the Patriots offense. Um, you know, a lot of them, especially the offensive line and Nick, you talked about rightfully so the anger towards the offensive line that we thought, and, and I certainly said that I expected them to be a top five offensive line in this league, if not the best one and Trent, not having Trent Brown out there is not helping things. That's for sure. Because, Justin Huron was by far the worst offensive lineman in this game. Uh, they didn't give him a ton of help, but, you know, look, you, you these guys are professionals. Sometimes you have a job to do, uh, and he didn't get it done in this game. Uh, David Andrews had, after being one of the top players the first two weeks, had a rough one in this one. And I think where, this, where the speed is, they're really struggling – this offensive line, they're struggling with stunts and twists up front where they're getting picked off a lot. Like, so, you know, it's hard to explain to people, but, you know, just just imagine like you have uh, a nose tackle over the center and you have another defensive interior guy over, like, say, the outside shoulder of, like, Shaq Mason. And, you know, they'll start off going straight ahead and then all of a sudden say that the, the guy over Mason goes to David Andrews and basically just goes to hit David Andrews. And, and, you know, that's, that's a twist inside and, and it causes a lot of problems. It's hard to adjust to those. It's not always easy. I understand, but they've been, they, they've been really poor on those and they got to figure out a way to defend those more because we've seen that the jets did it a lot. The saints did it even more. I don't know if the Bucks have the speed inside to do it. I'm sure they'll try after seeing the film, but to me, that's they they haven't been coached well enough to this point. They haven't been prepared for that, and the the way really to it's difficult. But the way to sort of thwart that tactic is, uh, you know, you call there's the the loopers, basically the guy who would have been over Mason. He's he's uh, he, he's looping around. Uh, or the picker, he's picking off David Andrews. Mason needs to be aggressive. He needs to come out and he needs to be aggressive on that guy and get him off his line. So he can't just have a free run at David Andrews. And that's just going to take, it takes reps. It takes practice. And they've really struggled with that. To me, that, that just tells me that they haven't been prepared for that. And so the speed is showing up there. But in general, you watch a game like this and you're like, I wonder if the lack of speed in the Patriots front seven that the, the the Patriots offense is practicing against shows up here where they're not prepared. They're used to playing against the Patriots defense, which is slow in the front seven. And then all of a sudden they go to this game and it's on a completely different speed and the Patriots offensive line is not prepared for that. All right, let's look at the offensive start of the second half. I saw you tweet about this yesterday. 
Yeah. Needless to say, you were not impressed with the first stretch of plays coming out of halftime offensively. No, it might have been the five worst executed plays. And that doesn't mean call. That means executed by the players. So you have the you have the the interception to pick six where Johnny Smith looks like he, he he's never run a route before and is and, and is he looks like the the road runner with his feet going in a million different directions. Uh drops the ball, pick six. Uh first play of the next drive. It's a Damian Harris run for one yard. Uh Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith are both on the right side there. They're supposed to double team the end. I think it was, I'm not sure. It might have been Cameron Jordan. They're supposed to double team him, get to the second level. They get shoved back like three or four yards. Damian Harris can't get around the end. It goes for one yard. That's a run stuff. Uh Mac Jones passed to Hunter Henry for three yards. Uh, I think there was, I think there was a better option for him on that play. Johnny Smith drops the third down pass. And then the first play of the next one, you have the David Andrews holding call when JJ Taylor actually gives a spark to the offense with a 17 yard run, which was a great cut by him. And okay. So they did call Johnny. (laughs) I didn't know this, but I thought Andrews got called for a holding. And I said, Johnny Smith also held. And I forgot that he actually was called for holding on that play. So two holdings (laughs) on that play. So that's just five plays in a row. Coming out of halftime, where you probably think that they got their asses chewed out and they come out and the offense plays like that in the first five plays, it's just, it's, it's terrible execution. Just not good. And people, Nick, I don't, how much time are we in on this thing? Maybe we should take a break and come back and talk about, you know, all the talk about the, uh, the coaching on this team. All right. So we got to go over the coaching. We've got to take a look at the offensive, you know, just malaise that we saw at times a defensive discussion. We've got a lot to get to, but first let's talk about betus.com America's favorite sports book for over 25 years. I could imagine there's going to be a lot of action on Sunday night's game between new England and Tampa. And I would also have to imagine a lot of the action going to be going towards uh, Tampa after what we saw in that game on Sunday. (laughs) Gee, you think, (laughs) Uh, listen up sports betters. This is Greg Bedard here to tell you about my favorite sports book. And that's BetUS. football is back. And it's time to get in on the action. I only endorse one sports book, and that's BetUS.com. Why, you ask? Because BetUS has been America's favorite sports book for over 25 years. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity, and you need to know that you're going to get paid. You need a sports book that offers everything, including live betting, MMA, golf, horses, esports, and all kinds of crazy bets. And they will walk you through setting up an account. Nobody in the industry gives bigger bonuses than BetUS. Join now, check out the offers, and you can get up to 200% in bonuses on your first deposit. Nobody beats that. I bet at BetUS, and so should you. That's BetUS.com, America's favorite sports sports book, and enter BSJ when you sign up at BetUS.com for a special bonus. BetUS.com, where the game begins. And by the way, they said somebody will help you in the setup process. They do that. But you also, when you sign up at BetUS, you actually have a personal almost like concierge that really is, is available. There's a number there. You call them up. You're having an issue. They hook you up. Uh, the, uh, the customer service has been really good over there. Look at that customer service. If you use the promo code BSJ 200% in bonuses, check them out. BetUS.com. All right, Greg, people talking about the coaching, wondering about the coaching. You tell me about the coaching right now. 
Yeah, well, I mean, in general, big picture, I thought that, uh, and I wrote this for my column at bostonsportsjournal.com after I came. So I was at the game. I was there, worked, and then um, I came home and I watched the TV copy real quick to sort of spin through. And after that, I was just like, they just look like a poorly coached team. I mean, I don't know what the reason was. I don't know if the coaches were distracted with Brady coming up and they didn't do X, Y, or Z. I don't know what what the issue was, but they just look poorly coached. And you know, I think you know, looking closer at the coaching staff, I think you have to you have to wonder if uh, if they're going to be able to coach their way out of this. I mean, look, I I have the utmost uh, confidence in Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels. Ivan Fears, and other than that, there's a bunch of guys that I'm not sure about on the coaching staff. And look, Nick, we've been through this before. Um, yes, everybody could say, well, that was with Tom Brady. We've been through this before where the Patriots get off to slow starts in the season. Right. And my default has always been, you know, I get a little – about this point of the year, I get mad at the coaching staff and say, this team is way too good to be playing like this, and they need to coach their way out of this. We're in the same spot. Can they coach their way out of it? I'm not sure. Uh, I, 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 with this mix of coaches from, you know, two of Belichick's son, Lombardi, there's a lot of guys, like even a guy like Demarcus Covington, who I think is a good coach on the defensive line. He's in his second year on the defensive line after being an outside linebackers. Is he, is he, is he good at that? I don't know. There's a lot of guys like that on the staff. And, and I, I just think that, uh, we'll get a referendum on the coaches. How good can they can they get this up to speed? Because in prior years they had more time to wait. If they fall to one and three, they have no more time to wait. And so I think that's an issue. I do not. Of course, the other offshoot of this, Nick, is everybody after a game like this, they all start looking at the play calling. And you know, it's McDaniel's. The play calling sucks and stuff like that. Like, look, can can we have some? some complaints about some of the play calls, including the two Brandon Bolden calls. Yes. <laughs> um, those plays were, I will say those plays were poorly executed, um, but still it's Brandon Bolden and you just can't be calling plays for him. He, he When you're in the red zone for the, for the first time in a long time in the game, Brandon Bolden doesn't need to be get, getting touches. Like put JJ Taylor out there, like somebody with some speed, something. Um, but my overall problem with the the discussion about play calling is stop letting the players off the hook. It's too e- – and I understand. Fans look at it and they're like, well, we suck an offense, so it must be the play calling. And Because they don't want to get mad at the players. You know, they have their jerseys and, you know, rah-rah, and they like what the guys say at the podium about playing in New England. And so, you know, it's easy – to, to put a target on Josh McDaniel's back. And has he been perfect? No. But stop letting the players off the hook. These guys are getting paid a lot of money to execute plays. They are not executing. And that's on them too. Do not absolve them of their role in this by pointing the fingers at the coaches. So that's sort of my message on that. Yeah, you know, when you look at it, again, I, I don't want to make it too simplistic, but McDaniels is not perfect. I've gotten on McDaniels before, and I will surely get on him again. 
But offensively, you start with the offensive line. And I know people think that Greg is, you know, he's too deep into the weeds with the offensive line playing this. But if your offensive line sucks, then a lot of what you're calling, you can just throw it in the garbage. If you're Look at the Super Bowl, Nick. Look, yes. look what happened in the Super Bowl between exactly. the Chiefs and the Bucs. The, the perfect example of why line play matters. Even you can with, have Patrick Mahomes back there. Yep. But if he's not getting protected, it doesn't matter. Yep, you've got Mahomes, you've got Hill, you've got Kelsey, you've got all these toys, and you can't use the toys if you can't get it going, if, if you don't have the battery in the toy. And the offensive line is the battery in the toy. You see it last night, Philadelphia-Dallas. Dallas punched Philly in the face. Why did they do that? How did they do that? Offensive line play. They dominated the line of scrimmage. When you're running for six, seven yards at a freaking clip, it's much easier to call plays and move the football down the field. When the fat guys up front can't figure it out, now you're in trouble. So that's a huge part of this thing. The other part of the coaching I will say is, you know, Bill Belichick, as we know, is the czar of this team. And we talk about his drafting, his acquisitions. We talk about his coaching himself. But one part of being the czar and calling all the shots is to make sure that your developmental tree, coaching-wise, is up to snuff. And if this continues, and we see some of these guys – that also have the last name Belichick, if they're not figuring it out, that has to fall on Bill. I trust Bill as a coach like you do, Greg. But mm -hmm. Bill has to get the right people in the right positions so his staff overall can not only be good but great. And there's too many questions right now. We'll see if, again, we'll give them time. It's only week three. I am not excited about Sunday night. We'll talk about that game later on in the week, but – you know, we'll see how they adjust. And if this team gets better, I am going to give them, you know, a chance over the next few weeks to figure this stuff out. But if by the end of the year, we are saying the same shit that we've been saying through the first three weeks, this is two out of three games. Okay. Miami game, first game of the season. I'll right. somewhat write it off, right? The players fumbling. That's not on the coaching staff. You hold on to the football. I mean, you could sit there mm -hmm. and say some of it is because, you know, ball security and all of that. But at the end of the day, your guy has to secure the football. He's been playing since he was seven years old. But this is two out of three games now that we look at it and say, were those guys as prepared as they should have been? And that's a problem. Because if you're losing just because the other team has more talent than you, something funky happened, maybe had an injury to the quarterback, okay. But if you are losing games to teams that you should at least be competing against, if not beating, and at the end of those games, we're looking at the coaching staff scratching our head, that's an issue. They got to fix it. It's on Bill. Offensively, Greg, just overall. Nick, one, just one more thing on that. Sure. I just to to, to um you know, to sort of agree with you and further the point. So you know, when I took aim at, they look poorly coached. I mean, they look like they looked like the Jets on Sunday. I mean, like you know, Hunter Henry sprinting off the line. There was a lot of stuff, the special team stuff that went on. Uh, you know, defensively not being able to you know stop the Saints at all. You know, just like the Dolphins game down the stretch, like it just looked, it didn't look like a Patriots team. And and so I got to looking more at the coaching staff and like I went back and you also have to think about, and you're right, you know, they need more time. We, we've talked about it here. When you add this many new players in one offseason, it's going to take time. It's not going to gel until the second half of the season. Can you stay above water? to buy yourself time to really catch fire and we'll, we will see. And, but you do have to wonder at this time, 
you know, is the mix of players that they brought in, is it going to be right? And and it just reminds me of if it doesn't go well, it's going to be like 2009, the infamous, you know, Belichick, the football life saying like, I just can't get these guys to do what, what, what I need them to do. And it's funny. I went back and I looked at that coaching staff and that's, you know, they, that was, you know, Bill O'Brien and Dante Scarnecchia and, you know, Pepper Johnson and Patrick Graham. And, you know, even the front office was John Robinson, the Titans, uh, the tight ends coach is Shane Waldron, who's now the Seahawks offense coordinator. You had John Robinson, the Titans GM, Jason Light, the Bucks GM, Nick Casario, the Houston Texans GM. Like you look at all of that, that staff, that front office compared to what they have now. And I think it, I think it's legit that if it doesn't get better by the end of the season, we're going to be like, this team has not only fallen de- fallen behind on the field, they've fallen behind off the field as well. All right, I'm going to take one more point offensively and defensively from you. So give me one point about the yeah. offense you want to hit quickly. Uh, on the offense. Uh... I'll start. Why was Brandon Bolden okay. in the game as much as he was? Well, okay, because uh, Damian Harris was complete and utter crap trying to pick up the blitz throughout. So they were just like, you're done. We're putting in somebody that we that that we know that we can trust. And even Bolden wasn't great. By the way, I'm Bolden. There was a wheel route that they ran. It might have been when he threw to Johnny Smith. There was a wheel route that they ran in the red zone. And Brandon Bolden, <laughs> mind you, it's Brandon Bolden. <laughs> thought he was wide open and started throwing a temper tantrum after after the play. Oh, God. Okay, so let alone a he's Brandon Bolden. Like stick to special teams. Golden and jacket. B, Bolden. Golden jacket. Brandon. Yeah, and B Mac Jones actually read it right because Malcolm Jenkins. If he did throw the wheel route, Malcolm Jenkins was going to jump in front and pick it off. Um, so yeah, they're I, they need to find a way. JJ Taylor, look, they're going to be out with to James White. He's probably done for the season, if not his career. They're going to be without James White. I assume that means Stevenson's just going to be – they've always had an extra tight uh, running back. We know that. Stevenson will now elevate. And I think J.J. Taylor needs to play the James White role. Like, give him a chance. Like, he at least he has speed. At least he, he – you know, he, he, he makes a difference. And so, let the kid play. Keep Brandon Bolden on the bench. Let's see what, what the kid can do. So when they traded Sony Michelle to the Rams, I liked mm-hmm. the deal. I said, well, they have depth at running back. Ramondre Stevenson looks great in the preseason. J.J. Taylor looks explosive. This is them giving the football to these young guys. This is them giving the chance and saying, all right, we've got Harris, we've got White, we've got Stevenson, and we have Taylor. Three weeks into the season, I'm sitting there going, that Sony Michelle trade might have been a huge mistake because mm-hmm. – First of all, Ramondre Stevenson is inactive. So I don't know how that happens. He obviously wasn't great in the first week. But if you're trading Sony Michelle, you have to believe that Stevenson is not going to be worthless by week two. So I don't know what happened there. So now you've got Stevenson inactive. Damian Harris, not good with the the blitz pickup. That's a problem. That's going to limit his ability to play all three downs if Mm -hmm. that was the plan, which means – you did not evaluate the player correctly if you thought he was a three-down back. You lose James White because of an injury. As you said, you know, he might be done. That sucks. I thought he was having a bounce-back season. It blows that he got hurt like that. But it's football, so now he's out for maybe the rest of the year, if not for the rest of his career. And 
instead of going to J.J. Taylor and giving the young guy a shot, we're going with special teams Brandon Bolden. So maybe you should have kept Sony Michelle. That, I mean, you, you go back, you know, three weeks to a month ago, and it, it made sense then. But as you as you hit the fast forward button and you see that they have absolutely zero confidence in Stevenson, they obviously don't have enough st- confidence in Taylor. You lose James White, which was always a possibility because he's getting up there in age and he's going to catch the football a ton. You got a guy who doesn't pick up the blitz. I mean, you look back at and everything yep. we sat, we sat there and said, "Oh, that's that's a that's a smart move. It makes sense." Right now, it doesn't look like a smart move. Yeah, uh, I mean, I kind of questioned it at the time. I mean, I just, uh, you know, because it's mostly because of Harris's injury history. I didn't think he'd be inept at, at blitz pickup, but I did question at the time, like, because I, I thought, boy, you bet, and you're right. If you when you trade Sony Michelle, you better have a hundred percent confidence in the rookie Stevenson, yep. and you're not benching his ass over one fumble in, you know, in, you know what have you? Like you gotta, you gotta play him. You traded Sony Michelle, Stevenson's gotta play. Yep. Uh, defensively, you got a quick point for me. Uh, I just think, you know, I, I don't know. I'm more and more alarmed as we watch this team. I just think the. I, I just wonder how tower? effective the front seven is. Yeah. What do you think of Hightower? Some people say he looks slow. Some people look like, you know, he, he doesn't look like the same guy when regular season kicks off. Yep. He's he's slow. He's ineffective. I, I think Van Noy's slow. Um, you know, you have communication issues. The Alvin Kamara touchdown to me yep. looked like looked like it was supposed to be whichever side Alvin Kamara released to or wherever he went to in that pass pattern van noy and judon were going to bracket him and he released to van noy's side van noy funneled him back in and judon wasn't in the middle of the field like he should have been and it was a walk-in touchdown and van noy's trying to signal to him before the snap and you know that just that stuff can't go on i mean i think judon's a good player but he's not i wouldn't say he's very fast juan bentley slow the middle guys are slow. Like, I just think it's, you know, I just think it's, it's, it's disturbing what we've seen so far. I mean, hopefully they get it turned around and execution, you know, people need to, the bottom line is Nick, we have seen a lot less talented Patriots teams um, play a lot better than they're playing right now. I mean, yeah. they do have talent. Is it optimal talent? No, probably not. But here's the, here's the thing execution matters the patriots for years they were always the team that executed the best and that means it's the same you know the old adage in football is you could you if you're good enough you should be able to tell the defense hey this play's coming and you should still be able to to be successful and that's what execution does and that's what the patriots have done for years right now they can't execute so so all their shortcomings are exacerbated and it looks really, really rough right now. Yeah, defensively, they don't have guys like Willie McGinnis to depend on. And, and speaking of Willie, let me tell you about Legends. Legends is a premium athletic apparel built for the modern athlete. It is owned by some of your favorite athletes, including the guy I just mentioned, Willie McGinnis, number 55. He'd look good on this defense right now. He would help. Uh, Legends.com, you want to check him out. Just great stuff, Greg. I know you've been rocking it. I've been rocking it. Awesome, awesome apparel. Yeah, I mean, I, look, it's... 
for you guys out there who, you know, like to go to the gym, like to work out, like to be active, this stuff is perfect. It's, it's high quality stuff. It's affordable, high quality stuff. The, the, the hoodie is awesome. The shorts, you know, I really like that they come with sort of the, the underwear built into it and it's, yep. and it's really comfortable. Like a lot of times you, you wear that stuff and it's not comfortable. This stuff is really comfortable. Uh, you know, it's great for, you know, going on a jog or, or a long walk with the wife and all that stuff. Or, uh, you know, also the t-shirt is really smooth looking. It's premium athletic apparel built for the modern athlete streetwear inspired design for style and comfort. You want to wear all day, make sure you get a chance to save 20%. If you go to legends.com, use our code Pats 20, that's legends.com promo code Pats 20 offer ends October 10th. You got to hurry. It's, it's starting to count down, get over to legends.com. 20% off your first order. So 20% off of your first order. Pats 20 is that promo code. Again, as Greg said, it ends on October 10th. All right, lightning round here. Lightning round of three up, three down. Just you. You're the star of this program, Greg. Uh, let's start with your first up. Well, actually, uh, Nick, we're just going to do – I'm just going to do offense on this one. And okay. then, uh, you know, I will have my overall three up, three down uh, over at BSJ with my uh, my game breakdown. Okay, but, so uh, offensive, offensive three up, three down. Let's start with one of your yeah. – uh, let's start with the first – uh, up for offense, Kendrick Bourne. Uh, to me, he was by far the best offensive player. What a play for the Patriots! What a, he was what a play on the touchdown. Yeah, that was it was unbelievable. That was also a nice play by Mac that uh, you know Justin yep. Huron was getting his ass kicked and and uh, <laughs> under pressure and and he got rid of the ball and Bourne went up. Not only did he make a great catch, but he shed the block or the tackle and got in for the touchdown. So I thought I thought Bourne was tremendous in this game. Second one. I don't have any more on offense, Nick. That's it. One up, Kendrick Bourne. That's, that's how, it. That's how bad it was. All right, let's. Yep. I'm sure you have plenty to choose from as far as down goes. Let's let's start with your first down on the offense. Johnny Smith, you know, by far, it was one of the worst offensive performances I've ever seen out of Patriots player. And and I got chirped on Twitter by some guy saying like, "Stop with the hyperbole." You know, you sound like you're you sound like Felger and Maz now. Like this isn't hyperbole. You don't. You, you, people should know by now. I've been covering this team a long time. Like I don't say anything unless I believe it. And trust me when I tell you, John U. Smith was one of the worst offensive performances that I have ever observed from an offense uh, Patriots offensive player. Ten minus plays. Who's second on your list? Justin Huron. I just he. I had him for eight minus plays in this game. Uh, a lot of pressure. He look. We all knew he was going to – we talked about it coming in. He was going to have a tough assignment with Cam Jordan over him, even though Cam Jordan is not the his, the same guy. But, uh, yeah, it just – it was not good. And it, they, they need Trent Brown back, and, and they need his leadership. They need him – they just need him on the field. They need the big guy back. I wonder if they played it safe a little bit with Brown looking forward to the uh, Tampa game. Probably. Because uh, it sounded like they were somewhat optimistic that he might give it a go. Last one on the down. It's really close between – I will say that Shaq Mason was the best on the offensive line, but it's real close between Andrews, Awenu, and and Isaiah Wynn. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Andrews for my third down. Um, Mac Jones also in the running for that. Uh, 
so is Damian Harris. But I got to go. Andrews, I have four. He gave up three and a half knockdowns, including on an interception. He had a holding call that called back a 17-yard running play. After being one of the top players the first two weeks, it was a rough one for the captain. Do you have the minus plays for Andrews? Yeah, Andrews, I have uh, I have a poor run block against 97. I have three knockdowns. Uh, I have a holding call and a half a knockdown. That's a lot for him. Normally, okay. he's like two or three. So I counted so that's six. six. Yeah. So between just just think of this. You're looking on that right side of the of the offensive line. Haran and Andrews, just between those two guys, you had 14 minus plays in this game. Yep. And then we might as well go through. So for when I had one, two, three, four, five, five minus plays. Okay. Uh, four for a Wenu, uh, one for Shaq Mason. So, so yeah, that's a lot. 24, of- 24 minus plays from that offensive line. How many snaps did they have in that game? Do you know? Uh, I do not have the box in front of me. Well, I mean, they at least had they, they had 55 passes and probably 10 or 12 runs. So you're talking, you know, probably 70 plays. 70 plays. So that's that's more than that's more than a third. 24 yep. out of 70, my basic math tells me that out of every three snaps, you had a minus play from the offensive line. Yikes. Yep. Wasn't good. That's all. Uh, BostonSportsJournal.com member question of the day. Check them out. BSJ thirty nine ninety nine annual plan, of course. You get all the great good stuff from Bedard's staff over there. Corrales, I know he's cranking out with the Celtics starting camp today. Uh, you have Connor Ryan on the Bruins there in camp as well. A lot of stuff going on, Greg. Tons of video analysis on the coach's film. Direct access to him in weekly chats. Greg, what is our question of the day today? Uh, it's a good question. Um, well, let's just keep it to, uh, I don't have a good one, but, uh, (laughs) let's just keep it to what have I heard on, what have I heard on Twitter? Uh, well, why don't you come up with a question? Anything that any, why don't we go with a question from you, Nick? All right. Can they, can this team find their way through this disappointing start? I know you mentioned, the uh you know gold jacket bolden bitching about the wheel route mm-hmm. and i know you also mentioned nelson Aguilar in your notes to me uh you're seeing some of these guys on this team right now i don't know how to describe it but getting a little bitchy yeah get, get a little hair across the tuk tuk you know hair across mm-hmm. the tuk what what what's do you feel like these guys can fight through this and get on the other side I do, but I'm still in the same spot where I, I'm just like, I. are they going to have enough time when they do do it? They will get it sorted out. I do have, you know, Josh McDaniels is basically the CEO of the offense. Um, say what you want about his assistant coaches. And I think Carm Brasillo, the offensive line coach, is squarely in the, in, in the crosshairs right now. That, yep. uh, you know, another second year, the second year after Dante Scarnegia, Dave Gaguli, googly elmo got fired and in the offensive line was a dumpster fire second year after dante's first retirement this is now the second year after dante's second retirement um is he going to suffer the same fate i think you really have to wonder that because the offensive line is playing very very poorly right now um 
you know, I think that a lot, I think a lot of Patriots fans, they will look at it as, you know, the, the ones who are all about the team and never see anything wrong. And they're always optimistic. I understand. Um, I'm not that kind of fan with my teams, but if you want to be that kind of fan for your team, that's fine. Uh, you know, they'll say, well, we could have won both those games. We could be three and L, but they didn't, they, they failed. I mean, I, I just think one and three, then you have the Texans and then it starts to get hairy again. Uh, I think you do have the jets. I mean, I think they're going to get to like, three and three at some point uh but you're hoping you get on a roll all right tampa if they pull if they win this game it's going to be a miracle if if they lose this game one and three you're hoping the texan game can start them getting on a roll going along winning streak do i think it can happen yes do i think it's going to happen i don't know nick i think this is i thought they'd be three and oh at this point going into this game at least at the worst two and one and so yeah. they've really backed themselves into a corner. Yeah, I was hoping for at least a 2-1-1 start, if not 3-0. and I will say the only game that alarmed me was this week's. The first week's game, again, I, I kind of differentiate the Miami game to Sunday's game because a lot of funky things happen in the Miami game. I, mm-hmm. I think you look at the Saints game on Sunday, and from top to bottom, it was just a disaster. And I, I kind of felt about Sunday's game the way you felt about Miami's game to start the season. I looked at it and I said, I mean, outcoached, not prepared, just they just they looked disheveled out there. Uh, I could chalk up week one to first week, a lot of new guys, you know, turnovers. We just saw Kansas City turn the football over four times against the Chargers. They lost the game at home. So, you know, that stuff happens, um, especially against a division rival. But Sunday – that's really the first game this season where I walked away saying, all right, what is this team? Is this team not who I thought they were going to be? We'll see. I mean, I don't think this weekend will, will tell us a whole hell of a lot. Maybe we'll be surprised, but we have plenty of time to talk about that one and all the Brady and, and Belichick stuff later on in the week. That'll do it for right now. It's the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast brought to you by BetUS.com and Legends. Check them out at Legends.com. He's Greg. I'm Nick. We'll talk to you later in the week about Tampa and Tom Brady coming back to town.